Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's Eric Erickson of the resurgent.com and WSP radio. And I'm, I'm skipping the intro music. I'm skipping everything. This is a truth and advertising moment for me. Cause I, I, a number of people seem to think that this book that's coming out before you wake that I've written is a political book, despite me saying otherwise, it is a book of letters that I wrote to my children. Uh, when my wife and I were both confronted with our mortality and it is not a political book. Some people will read politics into it, but it's not there. It's my confession. I, I'm the one parent at my kid's Christian school who the teachers have laughingly told me, lovingly, winsomely told me that uh, I am the parent everyone knows that uh, can't be used as the example of how Google works. Uh, you don't want to Google me. My kids don't want to Google me. Uh, if I should die before they wake and they Google me, well, they're going to find out what a lot of people who hate me think about me, and very little of it is true. Some of it will be, though. And I wanted to write them a book where I, I write about uh, the bad things I've done. Uh, my confessional, if you will, uh, not on the level of Augustine, but my confessional nonetheless, my confession to my children of the bad things I've done uh, so that they know that I speak from experience when I tell them not to do things, but also to tell them things about life and love and, and me and where I come from and why I raise them in certain ways and my expectations of them and what their favorite recipes are. Part of the cookbooks, uh, part of the book is a cookbook. To give you an idea, though, I, I want to read from you chapter, a piece of, not all of, chapter seven of my book uh, so that you have a real sense of where this book goes because it's nothing like I've written and it is nothing like what so many people would have expected me to write. Um, so let me now, uh, chapter seven, the other side, Evelyn and Gunner, they're my kids. They're the center of my universe, but they're not the center of the universe. I keep pictures on my computer Pictures of family through the years posing for the camera doing mundane activities. I'll scroll through those pictures at night in my office alone when nobody's looking, trying not to cry. I see my wife and me as a young couple and clothes I can't fit in anymore. I see the few para photographs of me as a child. Then I see my children and their cousins. I see how they look alike. I see how they're different. The faces, the eyes, the smiles, they all summon memories of days. Perhaps some of them imagined or made more perfect than they were, but days of youth and innocence and joy. I want my children to stay innocent and young, but I know that the hard realities of the world beyond our home, they're going to call to them, lure them, try to tempt them away. I worry for them. I want them to know that they're loved, so when they feel unloved or rejected elsewhere, they will know they can come home again. Few things are as terrifying as the realization that the clock is ticking on how we raise our children. 
Will they be good? Will they love God? Will they fall away from the values we teach them? Will they be kind? There's a reason people don't get gray hair until they have kids, but then they have kids and the next thing you know, the kids are driving. Thankfully, Evelyn and Gunnar, they're not there yet, though Evelyn's getting close. It's coming sooner than we realize, sooner than we want, and sometimes it's not coming soon enough. Gunnar and Evelyn may be the subject of Christie's and my affection, but they need to know how insignificant they are in the universe to appreciate their significance. There are more than 7 billion people on the blue orb of life that circles this giant ball of plasma that is the sun. There are nine planets, including Pluto people, countless moons, asteroids, objects at the outer edge of the solar system, except planet X that doesn't exist. Beyond is the Milky Way with hundreds of billions more stars, countless other planets, comets, space debris, space junk. But the Milky Way is just one of a seemingly infinite number of galaxies with a seemingly infinite number of stars in a vast expanse of space so large we cannot see it all. And it is all drifting steadily further apart. I sometimes sit in the field behind our house with my telescope looking up at the heavens. The Andromeda Galaxy lights up my telescope and the Orion nebulous colors sink into my retina. When I was a kid, I could go camping with my dad in the deserts in the Middle East. We could see the Milky Way at night with our own eyes. It made us feel smaller than small. We're not even specks in the universe. The vastness of space is only paralleled by the vastness of our imagination to conjure up ideas about what is out there. But that sometimes makes us forget about what's already here. Some people look up at the night sky and see a random act of cosmic chance. I look up at the night sky and see the handiwork of our Creator. God is real, I am convinced of it. No amount of scientific testing or explaining the way of miracles can make me think otherwise. I don't expect I can convince anyone who does not want to believe. It's like Graham's number. Ronald Graham discovered the number, now named after him. I can't write it down for you. Every atom of every particle of every object of every substance in the entire universe could be called upon and used to write out Graham's number and it would still not be enough. The number is so large it cannot fit in the entire observable universe. It is a real number. Add one to it, the number grows even larger. Multiply it by two, it grows larger still to a number now double the size of a number that cannot even be contained in the universe, but real nonetheless. I wouldn't expect that we could contain God in a universe of his own creation when math itself spills over the boundaries of the universe. The orderly proposition of a mathematics that can explain the universe seems to belie a cosmic music that reveals order instead of cosmic chaotic randomness to me. As others far smarter than me have noted, when you work your brain back to the other side of the Big Bang and consider there must have been something that gave rise to an explosion of unfathomable energy, creating a universe, galaxies, a solar system with planets, a planet with us on it, that something begins to look a lot like a god. The god I believe in and raise Gunnar and Evelyn to believe is the god of all creation. In the book of Jonah, the prophet boarded a ship of pagans to run away from the God I worship. When a great storm came up, the pagans cast lots and the lot fell to Jonah. All the pagans had gods. They had different gods. They questioned Jonah about his God. Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation and where do you come from? What is your country and of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. He was not the God of wind or thunder. He was not the God of the sea or the rivers or the land. He was the God of all of it. 
That's my God, too. His existence explains to me why we have something rather than nothing. Now, there are those who are persuaded that from nothing comes everything, multiverses and universes giving way to this universe all through random acts of science in the cosmos that we don't understand. It's turtles all the way down. Like Lucretius, the Roman philosopher, they believe in the swerve of atoms that randomly collide through infinite time, summoning life into existence. For them, there's nothing after death and nothing before life. Personally, I think we all have a voice inside of us that tells us there's something more than that. Some people do a very good job of suppressing that voice. I want Gunnar and Evelyn to hear the voice. I want them to ask why there is something instead of nothing. I want them to know God as much as he can be known. Like Graham's number, he can never fully be known, understood, or appreciated because he's infinite. But I look at the world and I see great beauty. I look at the universe and I see things hard to fathom. I look at people and I see their need for interconnection and the need to know others. In all of that, I see my God, the God of creation. It's not a God who requires me to be anti-science to believe in him. It is the God who created science itself. And one day, I and my children and you and everyone else will stand before him and be called to account. And there are those who believe that he does not exist. And the belief in that nothing governs how they can and cannot operate. But my belief in that he does exist and has provided a rule book for us to follow, it governs how I exist and how my children exist. And they need to understand that the world will call them to do things that they cannot do if they believe in God. And they will be hated for it. And they will be pressured and the world will try to tempt them away. And they need to understand this. Those who are called away, those who live of the world, who reject the real God of creation, who create an idol and call it God, the God who looks like them and has their same beliefs and same values, that God is not real and that God they may serve now and they will have a better, more comfortable, more convenient life than my children. They will have more riches. They will have more access. They will have more love in the world. They will get more likes on their Facebook page. They will get more likes on Instagram. They will get more retweets. And then that's all they have. And when the final day comes, all that they've had in this world, it's the best they'll ever have. And all that my children have had in this world will be the worst they ever have for eternity because every day after for my children, as long as they keep the faith, will be a better day every day. I want them to know that. I believe in the God of all creation and I want my children to understand that they need to believe in him as well despite all of the temptations of this world. And because I love them, I shape my values into them. And I tell them that we're all sinners, but we're to go and repent. We're to go and sin no more. We're to love one another. And that the love of the God of creation, the love of the God who was nailed to a cross, that is not a worldly love. That is a biblical love, and it is not the same thing. I want my children to know these things if I should die before they wake. If you'd like to pre-order my book, you can text the word WAKE, W-A-K-E, to 444-999. Thank you for listening.